<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. Great to have you with us. President Trump continues to surge in the polls, and he's well on his way to the Republican nomination. Yes, I know, the race isn't until next year. But already he's driving the 2024 wannabe candidates out of the race. And they're dropping like flies, as the saying goes. The latest Real Clear Politics average has Donald Trump at 52%, DeSantis at a distant 24%, and farther, farther back, the next closest is former Vice President Mike Pence. As Trump continues to pick up endorsements from members of Congress across the country, Ron DeSantis is struggling to hold on to his early donors and to hold on to support. This week, as parts of South Florida flooded, even shutting down airports due to rising water levels, DeSantis was nowhere to be found. And we were looking for him. We always look for those white boots when there's flooding. Governor DeSantis was instead up in Washington, D.C., chasing sugar plums and putting dreams. That is, more money. More money, please. One of the people he met with in D.C. was Congressman Lance Gooden of Texas. And just moments after that meeting with Congressman Gooden, the congressman released the following statement. Quote, I met with Governor DeSantis while he has done commendable work in Florida. There is no doubt in my mind that President Trump is the only leader who can save America from the leftist onslaught we're currently facing. He continued, I wholeheartedly endorse President Donald J. Trump for the 2024 presidential election and vow to fight alongside him to reclaim our country from the leftist forces that threaten to destroy it. And that, folks, is how Ron DeSantis's unofficial presidential campaign is going right now. Turning now to a story that we've been covering for quite some time, because it's been quite some time that Hunter Biden has been under investigation. The story, the Hunter Biden laptop. A new congressional probe has uncovered ties between the Biden campaign and the letter signed by those 51 Intel officials that dismissed the laptop from hell as, quote, Russian disinformation. Republicans in the House are now saying that letter was coordinated with the Biden campaign and that coordination constitutes consequential election interference. Joining us now is John Solomon. He's the founder and editor-in-chief of Just the News. And, John, great to have you with us. Good to see you. I want to start with your reporting on Just the News of that connection between the Biden campaign and the notorious 51 Intel veterans who lied to the American people about Hunter Biden's laptop as Russian interference. Yeah, listen, we now know this to be one of the most grievous interferences in American electoral history. 51 intelligence experts telling us that Russian 
uh, that the Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation when in fact it wasn't. But for most of the last a couple of years, the storyline in the news media and in official Washington has been that those agents, those uh, intelligence experts were acting on their own. This was an organic moment. It was not driven by the Biden campaign. They literally thought there might be a Russian disinformation campaign going on. And that's the story that's stuck. And it's part of the reason why even Republicans and Democrats alike haven't really tried to hold those 51 accountable. Well, over the last couple of weeks, uh, Jim Jordan and his weaponization subcommittee in the House have been interviewing all of the key players on that letter, piece by piece, person by person, building a case like the mob prosecutors build a case. And they've come across some very valuable information. They have been able to identify, according to Jim Jordan, an interview I did with him over the weekend, the one of the ringleaders of the effort. He, it is Mike Morrell, the former deputy secretary, uh, deputy CIA director. And for a while, he was acting CIA director. So very senior member of the intelligence committee. Mike Morrell acknowledged he played a significant role in the orchestrating of the letter. He acknowledged that there was another former CIA official, Nick Shapiro, who has ties to Hillary Clinton and to Barack Obama, that they played a big role in not only getting the letter signed, but disseminating the letter uh, to the uh, American public. But most importantly, Mike Morrell said in his interview, his uh, contacts or his impetus for doing this started with the Biden campaign. Right now, we don't know the exact Biden campaign official who contacted Morrell, but there is a confirmation from Jim Jordan that the Biden campaign was directly involved in instigating and spreading this letter, which takes us from it being an organic intelligence matter that maybe we're, people are off base on to a clearly political interference in the election Major, major revelation. It is a major revelation. Uh, it is also something I think that we suspected at least uh, when, when 51 former, uh, well, five former directors of the CIA, 51 in total until uh, veterans come together to write a letter about their assessment of a, of a laptop, which doesn't on its face square up. Uh, when else have they done that? What has there been? There's never been. i I, I remember we go back to the Clinton years, you get 500 economists to say that, uh, you know, the Clinton plan is great. Uh, bringing 51 intelligence veterans together, that is a, is a first, at least yeah. as I remember. It is. And that's why I think it's fair to now say it was one of the uh, most egregious examples of election interference by Americans. These were American U.S. intelligence officials, people who had long careers. Many still had their national security clearances. We now know when they wrote the letter, they had no basis, meaning there was no active intelligence suggesting what they suggested the letter, that this laptop was uh, Russian disinformation. In fact, quite the contrary. We know from John Ratcliffe that at the time they wrote this letter, the intelligence showed there was no Russian disinformation about this laptop, that in fact, it was a laptop already in the possession of the FBI and already authenticated by the FBI. So when these 51 signed this letter and they put their credentials, their American security credentials behind it, they end up having a profound impact on the election. I just interviewed uh, Congressman Austin Scott a few minutes ago. He's a House Intelligence Committee member. He said two very profound things. Joe Biden wouldn't be president if these 51 intelligence officers weren't involved in uh, attempting to hijack the public and to create a cover-up on the Hunter Biden laptop. We wouldn't have the inflation and all the pain and suffering that we have had it not been for this cover-up by these intelligence officials. We wouldn't have the losses to China, all the gains that China's making on the world stage had these intelligence officials not uh, covered up the Hunter Biden laptop. He said it's so consequential because so much history has flown from that decision to write that letter.
Think about that too, John. October was a month of 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 history. It was uh, history being rewritten before it occurred, if you will, because undoubtedly the assessment of those of those fifty one who came together to to write that letter, they did change history because that gave Joe Biden a shield with which to blunt all the discussion. That's right of the of the contents of the Hunter Biden laptop. Yes. That in and of itself. And then William Barr, the attorney general uh, of the United States, who in that same month chose not to intervene in the election and tell people that he knew that Joe Biden was lying about that letter and about that laptop. Uh, it, it's extraordinary. Yeah, listen, that it, it, we're going to look back at the fall of 2020 uh, in 20 years later with history and, and hindsight and realize that this was one of the most heinous, worst moments in America electrical products. Sure, we've had all sorts of dirty tricks played. Uh, the Bush campaign once ran, a can, uh, ran an effort to smear John uh, McCain with a, a fake love child in South Carolina. There have been many dirty tactics used in politics, but this was a systemic effort carried out by people with direct ties from the United States government to mislead the American people, to make them think that there was no there there with Hunter Biden, that it was a uh, that it was a Russian disinformation trick, when in fact the laptop was in the hands of the FBI. The FBI already had an active investigation of tax matters into Hunter Biden and many of the uh, emails in that laptop, which we now know are, are to be authenticated and been authenticated by mass media, that they showed a pattern of influence peddling, that Joe Biden and his family were selling his name to foreign entities that don't have our best interest at heart, Chinese entities, Russian entities, Ukrainian entities. All of that would have mattered to the American people had it been treated as true instead of being a falsely portrayed as a Russian disinformation effort. So much consequence, I think we'll look back and say one of the worst interventions ever in our uh, American political history. And a, a declination, as it uh, as it's called in uh, uh, in national security circles, to prosecute uh, a, a, a an outright, straightforward uh, crime against uh, D.C. and the American way when they decided that they were not going. When Bill Barr decided he was not going to intervene, he intervened. The act of not intervening and telling the American people what he knew right. uh, was a horrific uh, crime of omission. Also, his agents from the FBI uh, censoring conservative voices on social media, uh, whether yes, yeah, obviously Twitter or, or, or uh, yeah. Facebook. It's just an appalling month. And all of that compressed into 30 days that changed the history of the country. Exactly what our founding fathers never wanted to happen. Censorship, a, a big government misleading its own people, uh, a government putting its finger on the thumb of a scandal election. It wasn't a free and fair election if the information that the people were making it, the voters were making it on was altered or changed or suppressed. And that's clearly what happened in that time frame. Uh, there's no other way to look at it except that uh, there was a significant intervention and it was done in many ways with the assistance of people directly in the government or directly tied to the government. The FBI had its own operations center in uh, San Francisco that was directly making censorship requests. That's direct government involvement. These 51 
uh, intelligence operatives still have their uh, uh, security clearances, many of them, and they're operating with somebody that's tied to the uh, Clinton campaign and using their credentials to mislead the American people. It certainly is going to be a, a less than proud moment in history as, as we come to understand all of it. We're going to learn a lot more. Jim Jordan says he hopes to be able to provide the names of the Biden campaign officials in an interim report. So we'll know who actually carried out this operation inside the Biden campaign. We'll know, learn more details within about 10 days is what we're hearing from Jim Jordan. So a big, big moment of more revelation and hopefully uh, eventually some accountability for these people. And all of that uh, coming to you from the uh, uh, the executive editor, editor-in-chief, The Honcho, uh, and also the founder of Just the News. Uh, we're talking with, of course, John Solomon. We're going to take a break to bring you our sponsors, a couple of quick messages, and we'll be right back. Please stay with us. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back now. We're talking with John Solomon of Just the News. We're talking about the, the revelations uh, in Just the News of the relationship between the Biden campaign and the 51 uh, signatories of that uh, infamous uh, letter from the intelligence veterans, so-called, uh, including five directors of the CIA, uh, looking like far more than an act of conscience or national duty on the part of those veterans. It was a political act, right, John? It was. And, you know, I was thinking today, uh, Lou, you've been such an important voice on China security matters for so long, long before other people realized the emerging threat. The policies that the uh, Biden administration had pursued since winning that election under false pretenses are becoming more and more clear. Today, we had two really dramatic moments in the United States government. Uh, two uh, Chinese nationals charged with setting up an illegal police station in New York. China setting up its own police operations on our soil below our noses because they don't have any respect for Joe Biden. And then 40 officers of the Chinese National Police charged separately with trying to intimidate Chinese Americans and other Americans uh, from ha uh, from talking on social media, having free speech, speaking out against China, that would not have happened under a Donald Trump administration. It would not have happened, quite frankly, under any earlier administration. Joe Biden's weakness on China, which has only become stronger, uh, become more pronounced since he became president, uh, a direct result of the interference that those 51 national security officers imposed on the American people during the election. And... This is a continuation of what has been a trend for over 20 years. We know that the Chinese are stealing from us every year to the tune of about $600 billion in intellectual property and technology. 
Uh, we continue to fund the rise and the growth of uh, the power, military power, uh, of the CCP, the People's Republic of China, right. and do nothing about it. And so suddenly in this, what is this, the 26th month of the Biden administration, we suddenly see them take action against these police outposts of the CCP uh, in this country. They still haven't moved away, moved the Confucius Institutes off of universities, even some high schools. Uh, there has been nothing but a, a, a woefully inadequate response by this administration to a national security threat. This is their first, even as minute as it is, their first action in reaction to the CCP's uh, in, uh, intrusion into the U.S. Yeah, no, it's just really remarkable. And if you read these indictments today, the level of detail, the level of bravado that China feels, China has no fear of Joe Biden. And whether it's because of the Hunter Biden deals or just because Joe Biden has had a weak record of national security over his 40, 50 years in government, as you know, uh, the former defense secretary for Barack Obama said he was wrong. Joe Biden was wrong at every major national security issue of the last half century. Mm -hmm. Whatever the reason, whether he's compromised or just purely weak, China no longer has any uh, fear, any concern about going on our territory, uh, intimidating our American citizens, opening up a police station with their color of authority on our U.S. soil. The indictments show a level of audaciousness and bravado that I can't imagine China would have felt on any other president's watch. And I think that's the big consequence here. China floats a balloon across the sky, doesn't get shot down until it hits the Atlantic. Why? Because they know Joe Biden's not going to be strong on it. The record of Joe Biden on China is a direct outcome of the intervention that occurred in that election that allowed him to become president uh, under false pretenses. And whether he's uh, compromised or just impaired or both, his his policies toward China are at the root of our, our national security. Yeah. And he is woefully, as you were saying, he's woefully inadequate in both policies and response to threats. Right now, we're watching China with these uh, extraordinary exercises uh, in the Strait of Taiwan uh, and now in the South China Sea. Uh, we're watching Russia continue its war against Ukraine without so much as an apparent suggestion that perhaps there be a pause and that there be peace negotiations of some sort. Uh, Biden seems to be utterly, utterly absent. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what people see. He doesn't have press conferences. Uh, 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 President Trump had contact with the press almost daily answering questions. Joe Biden hasn't had one nearly in 180 days. He doesn't have any engagement on the world stage. You see France go out and, and uh, start courting China and having conversations with China and even entertaining an idea from China that they might support a reunification with Taiwan, something against American interests. No response from the president of the United States. The, the sense that Joe Biden is not on the front lines of national security or domestic policy. He hasn't been to uh, the train wreck in Ohio to that site yet. The feeling that he's AWOL not there is growing among everyday Americans and including some in his own party. There are more Democrats I talked to today, Lou, who are more concerned about Joe Biden and willing to speak out than they were just a few years ago. And it's part of the reason why Joe Manchin is privately talking about maybe making an independent run and challenging Joe Biden because he feels like the president of his party isn't doing the job.
Which is a testament to the strength of, uh, of Donald Trump uh, in his polling numbers. My goodness, we're we're seeing uh, both candidates and potential candidates in the GOP uh, in the race for the presidential nomination uh, falling to the wayside already. I mean, this is right. pretty straightforward early uh, reduction. Yeah, listen, Mike Pompeo decided not to run. That was a big moment in the uh, the political sphere. Most of the others that are in uh, the race already are in the single digits compared to President Trump, who's in the 50s and 60 percent approval rating. Uh, Ron DeSantis, who's not in the race, but is assumed to be joining. He's been dropping in the polling numbers. And right now, uh, President Trump's uh, superiority in the Republican primary is more pronounced now than it was a few months ago. And that comes despite these indictments and criminal investigations that democratic machinery have thrown at him. Uh, A fascinating moment in politics. I don't think there's another moment in politics where we've seen this dynamic uh, in a primary, a uh, vastly attacked candidate rising in the polls. And I think part of the reason why, and I've been talking to a lot of pollsters, Lou, President Trump has since the 2022 election focused on substance. He keeps putting out these five and seven minute speeches Mm -hmm. that are prescriptions to all that ails America. People want solutions. They're tired of excuses. They want solutions. Donald Trump has been giving people solution after solution day after day since the campaign started. And I think that's driving a lot of his poll numbers, according to the pollsters. Well, and whatever he's doing, it certainly is working. Uh, But he's getting an awful, I guess he would probably hesitate at calling it help from these uh, (laughs) Marxist dim prosecutors that George Soros has put in place around the country or help place. But he he is rising definitely and has numbers that are, are breathtaking, given all that he is going through, the assaults from the, the Democrat Party, uh, from from the left, uh, from the establishment, and now the, the Republicans. Uh, we watched uh, major donor uh, and friends, as he put it, uh, withdrawing their support, uh, a pause, if you will, for Ron DeSantis. Is this... Does this augur real trouble or is this uh, just a momentary uh, point in the, the campaign process? It, you know, it's it's too early to tell. I do think that there are some warning signs. The more that uh, Governor DeSantis has ramped up his national activities, the more he's stubbed his toe, the more he's had some awkward moments. The, uh, the interview with Piers Morgan didn't go well. Uh, the flip-flop on Ukraine policy where he starts on the Trump sort of America first way of dealing with Ukraine and then quickly flips around to the neocon view that maybe a George W. Bush would have held two decades ago has uh, under, uh, you know, undercut some of the authenticity that people think Ron DeSantis brings from his success in Florida. And I think it's a reminder. And we know this for everyone who's ever run for president. The difference between being the big dog on a state like Florida and the difference of, and being on the national stage, it's a much harder thing. You have to think, you have to be more strategic, you have to be more skilled, you have to think about the chess game that is international security, national security. And I think uh, that Ron DeSantis is getting his first day so that he's got a great record in Florida. But the question now that some donors have is, is he really ready for prime time at the national level? And the early answer seems to be no. We'll find out. He, he may mature. He may be too busy with what's going on with the state legislature right now to focus on it. But he's had some missteps, and that's clearly played into his declining poll numbers. Or as Mike Pompeo put it, uh, perhaps it is just simply not his time either. That's right. Uh, we're talking with John Solomon, folks, and we're going to come right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back now talking with John Solomon of Just the News. And John, I want to turn, if I may, to to this 21-year-old National Guardsman uh, brought up on charges of espionage uh, for releasing highly sensitive material, uh, classified documents. The Biden administration seems to have trouble with that sort of thing. Uh, but this young man does not fit the profile uh, of most leakers uh, or, if you will, saboteurs. Yeah, listen, I think this is going to, this case of the Massachusetts National Guardsman is going to uh, spur a significant review of who has access to what information. Think about what this man leaked that he had access to. He's a 21-year-old guardsman, uh, low in the rank of, of even the National Guard, and he was accessing secrets that were actually created for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the, some of the most uh, consequential and sensitive information that our U.S. government has. How did the system get that far out of straight? How did it get so cockeyed that someone who doesn't need that information has access to it and then can spread it around for weeks without anyone in the United States government notice it? If, if it wasn't for the Russians waving it in our faces, we might not have yet still seen it, which raises some serious concerns. I, uh, many of the members of the House Intelligence Committee I'm talking to say, this is a moment of reckoning. We are going to have to tighten up who has access to information, uh, how it's checked, how it's regulated, uh, who is vetted for that information. This was a wake-up call. Now, one would argue Chelsea Manning was a wake-up call. WikiLeaks was a wake-up call. Nothing happened after those terrible episodes. This one here, there's early bipartisan movement suggesting there's going to be a significant shrinking of the people who have access to the most important secrets of the country, top secret and, and compartmentalized. I think that's going to be one of the outgrowths. But uh, we still don't understand the full magnitude of failure here or the full magnitude of exposure that this uh, man has put out there. This young man seems to have had a perfect record. A strong personal background, family background, a military family, and he made a decision uh, to put this in front of the public, knowing full well what he was doing. Yep. The information that has resulted is uh, illuminating uh, is. about what is going on in Ukraine. Uh, it is illuminating about the number of balloons that have flown over the country. Right. And much of it is in direct contravention to what we have been told by our government to this point. When you take a look at it, listen, I, we can't condone what the man did because he clearly put he, 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 you know, he signed an oath to protect this information. He didn't. Right. But when you look at the information, how many more times do we need to be reminded that the stories that Joe Biden has given us have not been true? 
Uh, we were told that the balloon couldn't be controlled by the Chinese and that it was blocked from sending a signal. It wasn't at all. We were told it was an isolated incident. It appears to be a, there are multiple incidents. We were told there wasn't an opportunity to shoot it down until it got to the Atlantic safely. That wasn't true. Uh, that's just one of many episodes where Joe Biden's story unraveled over the course of two or three weeks. And this um, uh, National Guardsman's leaks, when you look at the information he was just sharing in his circle of friends in a gaming community, it really puts the lie to uh, so much of what our government's been telling us. And the real question now is, how can the government, how can those people who stand at the podium every day and look us in the eye and tell us these things aren't true when they come out, how do they continue to have their jobs? That's a big question. We now know we are overtly being lied to by our government, uh, particularly in the Biden administration. And yet there's been no consequence. The same people come out tomorrow and tell us another bunch of lies without consequence because there is no accountability in Washington right now. Corrine, uh, Jean Paul, and, and Admiral Kirby. I, I always think when I call him Admiral, I have to remind myself that he was an Admiral in the United States Navy yeah. because he lies daily. Uh, and he at once he seemed to be embarrassed by what he had to say, but he no longer seems embarrassed, and that's a shame. Because to think of a man being in the rising to that rank in the United States military, and to be in that role is—it's appalling. Yeah, it, it, it is, and it, listen, it isn't just isolated to them. Think about what we were told during the failings of, of the Afghanistan withdrawal, and how much we've learned since then. That, that those statements, by the way, oftentimes with people in uniform, that those weren't true either. And I think that. There is a moment now when people ask, well, why do Americans have such a low regard for government? Why aren't they willing to trust their government anymore? It's because the history of uh, lying and the history of deceiving the American people has gotten so commonplace that it's actually rare when you get an accurate story now. It's actually the opposite of what we came to expect of our government. I think it's a real challenge. And I think until Republicans in Congress use their power of the purse to start punishing some of the people who have perpetuated lies, who have jeopardized national security with folk, false stories. Until that happens, I don't think the temptation to lie tomorrow or the next day or the day after is uh, has been reduced one bit. I think it's every day people go out and say, well, there's not going to be any consequence to what I say today, so I'll say whatever the politicians want me to say. That is a very dangerous moment in American history when our government doesn't feel it has an obligation to tell the American people the truth. And and I think that moment is without question at hand. Uh, thankfully, uh, Chairman Jim Jordan chairing the judiciary and the weaponization uh, of government uh, committees uh, and, and, of course, James Comer at the House Oversight those those two uh, men and those committees, those two committees and one subcommittee have an opportunity to reverse much of this. How do you believe, John Solomon, they're doing? Listen, I think they're taking an old fashioned approach. They're watching them. And I used to, you know, when I first started my career, I did a lot of covering of the FBI and crime cases and mob cases. And they're building cases the way mob, mob prosecutors do. They build up from the bottom up. They get one person to cooperate, roll up on the next person, next person. I think that's how we ultimately are going to learn about how the Biden campaign uh, was behind the 51, um, uh, the letter by the 51 national security experts. It's methodical, but they're building towards a much larger narrative. And I think over the next couple of weeks, though, I'm going to make a bold prediction. 
I think we're going to learn why, after all the evidence that's sitting in public, why Hunter Biden has not, there hasn't been a resolution of should he be charged or not be charged. And I think the level of work that Congress is doing to get an answer to that is really important. They're rolling up small whistleblowers to larger whistleblowers. They're getting one document that leads to another document. And they're eventually putting together the stories that the American government have tried to keep from its people. I think Jim Jordan and James Comer are going to surprise a lot of people in the next month. I think we're going to learn some explosive things about Hunter Biden. I think we're going to learn some explosive things about things that have gone on in the border, particularly with China crossing our border, where they're coming from, what we've known and what we're not telling the American people. All of those contribute to a dialogue that makes us a smarter country, at least at the electorate level, and more able to say the next time Corinne Jean-Pierre or, or Admiral Kirby or someone else gets up and says something, they say, I don't believe you because, and here are the facts. And I think that's the moment that Jim Jordan, James Comer, and some of the other people, keep an eye on Adam Smith in the, um, I'm sorry, Jason Smith at House Ways and Means. I think there's some major investigations going to be coming to light that are going to make us smarter and better able to counteract the lies that the United States government have been giving its people. And amongst those lies, as we talk about Biden, it's, it is amazing to think we're in the eighth year of the political persecution of Donald Trump. We're also now in the seventh year, the seventh year of the Hunter Biden grand yes. jury in Delaware. I imagine that. This started under Obama. It was a tax case. That takes us all the way back to 2016. Here we are in 2023, uh, seven years, and now we're we're approaching uh, a, a point of just utter absurdity uh, in this country. I think you're right, and I think we're going to find out something very valuable in the next week or 10 days about what's going on behind closed doors. I'm going to call everybody's attention to a little episode that occurred in Congress about two months ago. Chuck Grassi just asking questions of Merrick Garland saying, hey, has there ever been an effort to or, or ever been a conversation about upgrading the Hunter Biden uh, prosecutor, that Delaware U.S. attorney, to a special counsel? Have there been any evidence that political appointees under the Biden administration have interfered with decision making in the uh, Biden case? I think we're going to find out uh, some information in the next couple of months, couple of weeks, excuse me, that call into question the assurances that Merrick Garland gave us and the storyline that the Justice Department has gave us. And that is a direct result of James Gomer, Chuck Grassley, Jim Jordan, uh, Jason Smith asking hard questions uh, below, you know, our visibility level, but rolling up towards a big story. And I think the next few weeks are going to be very consequential in learning about why Hunter Biden has not faced a, a final decision on accountability for all that we know he did. And, and the good news, I think I can add one more name to that uh, that list of honor, and that would be Senator Ron Johnson, who That's working right. with Senator Grassley. Uh, That's right. They have done a lot uh, for the country. Uh, and I am pleased to hear uh, John Solomon say we've got uh, some good news coming over the next two two or three weeks. John, as always, a pleasure to talk with you. We thank you for being with us here, and uh, and God bless you. Thank you, my friend. I love your show. We listen to it every day. Thanks so much. John Solomon, founder and editor-in-chief of Just the News and Great American. Joining us here tomorrow on The Great America Show will be China expert Gordon Chang and the president of the London Center for Policy Research, Colonel Tony Schaefer. We hope you'll join us. Until then, thanks for being with us. God bless you.